everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Eternal Leadership Podcast. And, you know, right where we're at, we've talked many times on the show about, you know, how do we move into the best version of ourselves? And in doing so, as, as we make some of these small steps, steps forward, right, we can then... When we start to improve ourselves, we can then Im- help improve everybody around us. And that has huge impact on the relationships we have as a husband, wife, father, mother, in business, in ministry, wherever we find ourselves. And uh, today, I don't know if you guys know, but I want to introduce you to Jeremy uh, Kubitschek. Jeremy, welcome to the podcast. So good to be with you, John. Thank and, you. Yeah, and just before we hit record here, we were Jeremy was talking to me about this concept of just being a Sherpa, right? And if we've made, you know, some progress in our life, we can be that Sherpa in other people's lives. And it, man, it is a mindset that just it, that scales and has huge impact, has huge influence, and that's what we want to do is we really bring out these dreams and these goals and these passions that we have in our life out into the world. And uh, Jeremy, you are currently CEO of Giant Everybody out there, uh, if you're not familiar with Jeremy, I'm sure you'd be familiar with his work because you might have attended either LeaderCast or Catalyst. Those are both events that were your brain children or brainchild. God put those uh, visions on your heart and you brought those out into the world. And then uh, from that, you started Giant TV. And then uh, you and Steve Cockrum have really put this together and like, how do we really equip, inspire and launch people into becoming that person that others want to follow. And that is through a book that you guys wrote called The 100X Leader, which has also now become a training platform. So anybody out there that's a coach or a consultant, and also there's a lot of people, Jeremy, too, that aren't uh, just full-time coaches, but in their role, let's say in any kind of leadership role in an organization, these are skills that I believe that can really come in and help you do what you're doing and doing it way gooder, right? And that is a very technical term. But here's what I'd like to do, Jeremy, is uh, just start off this way, is you have such an incredible story. I'd like you to go back and just kind of walk us through your journey, you know, that's kind of led you to what you're doing now and why, how that has shaped kind of, I guess, your, your the mission that you guys are on. Yeah, so years ago, I went all the way back, when I uh, left college, I went to Russia and started businesses in Moscow in the early 90s. And when I was there, I saw... 70 years of communism and what it did to the people. And it really imprinted on me the idea of liberation as a lifestyle, that when you give people the opportunity to grow versus when you uh, use force to bring fear and manipulation to dominate people, what I watched was 70 years of that led to abdication. Uh, I went on to run other companies, work for private equity, been working in lots of different places. And I kept playing with this idea of engagement versus compliance. And the idea that people do their best when they have a culture of freedom and opportunity because there's mutual responsibility. You want to grow, I want to grow. And if it's done right, you build the culture for that, then people can become engaged. But if you force them, then they'll comply to keep their jobs. And so that's really a lot of my background. My background has been this exploration about leadership. So I got to ask you a question. So here you are, you're a college graduate, you're hanging out with all your buddies and you're like, hey, so what are you doing after we graduate? You're like, well, I think I'm going to go to Russia and start companies. So what prompted that? Because that is, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of your friends going, wow. 
No, you know, I had a professor who, his name was John Cragen, and he said, Jeremy, you're an influencer. You want to use, what if you could use business as a platform for ministry, for influence? And I was like, you mean I can? How do you do it? Because everything that all my friends, everyone said, you should go into full-time ministry and do those kinds of things if you want to impact people. And the reality is, like, I've been working to say, how do you create a business to let the world fund you to influence it? And that's really what I've been doing is I've been building platforms that people can use to influence the world and get paid to do it. So that means it needs to be world class to be able to do that. And he helped me do it. And that's where we created this little uh, experiment in Russia. And uh, it worked. It was really a fun, fun few years. And uh, my first book is called Leadership is Dead. And it's all my Russia's mafia stories and all the crazy stories that happened during 1993 to 95, and it was a bestseller because people are intrigued by that kind of thing. So when you say, what kind of experiment was it? Uh, experiment in how do you get a group of people to partner? Um, how, like we had uh, the Xerox and the Radisson Hotels paid us to do great work. We then took that work and we started, uh, helped Young Life get off, off the ground in Russia, or we created a economic school that taught ethics to Russians. So we taught capitalism and ethics into Russian leaders' kids. Was that an interesting conversation back in the early 90s? Oh my. Yeah, I mean, we were talking Snicker bars and Coca-Cola. I mean, that's what we had to get them to understand the basics of commerce. And just because they had not had any form of capitalism was greed. And in a lot of cases, it is greed. And if there's no framework or no values behind it. And so it was, it was a fascinating time. And that school is still in existence, Moscow Economic School. So it was just fun to be able to create something and then have it from scratch and have it uh, come to life. And that's what I found a lot of what my life is about. I start things and then they take off from there. Yeah, that's amazing. And you talked about, you know, the difference between engagement and compliance. In that culture, I'm guessing that that is a compliant culture, were you able to find some things that created engagement, even when that is so countercultural? You know, it's harder, but yes, of course, you know, because you give people the opportunity to free them. Everyone, um, the, the, the beauty of America in the general fabric is that we're a culture and a land of opportunity, a land of growth and freedom. So liberty, freedom, love, those are all values. Those are all things that we've done to create a fertile soil to allow people to grow. The mm -hmm. problem with the Soviet Union was there's not a fertile soil, so you, people couldn't grow, so they had to grow in their minds. That's why a lot of the writers were amazing in Russia, because they could express it in their mind, but not in their actions. So it's just fascinating to look at what culture and what how leaders define culture, and that culture was not able to be free to have the opportunities that we have here. Well, yeah, you know, that's interesting. There's so much right now in the press, you know, being shifting, changing your culture became, you know, a popular buzzword. And then there are so many actually elements inside of a culture. So maybe we could even start there from your perspective yep. is how do you define, you know, culture and what are the important elements of it? I think it's too ambiguous. I define culture yep. as a greenhouse. So a greenhouse is a culture and every plant in that greenhouse equals an employee. 
and the leader is the gardener. So if you have an accidental greenhouse, what do you think that looks like? If you have a toxic greenhouse, what do you think it's going to look like? So if you're the leader, you're responsible for the atmosphere. You're responsible for the sunlight, the watering, the drip irrigation, the soil. The So your job is to move plants into the right thing that they need. A plant wants to grow, and you want it to grow. So move it in the right ways. We've created something called the Five Voices, which is uh, Jungian typology, where Myers-Briggs comes from. And it makes it so much more simple to understand personality. But our view is that every plant has a card in it, and it tells you how much water it needs, how much sun it needs. Well, if you understand the personality of a person, that's like understanding their card. So strategically, leaders define the culture. So you define that greenhouse, and you're responsible to give that plant every chance to grow. Now it's up to that plant to grow. And that's what culture is to me. And Okay, so when you're looking at all those different elements, like, you know, some of the organizations you go into now, and you guys have worked from, you know, with Chick-fil-A and the Air Force down to, you know, very small companies, right? And I think some of the, the challenges are we have, let's say you walk into a greenhouse that, man, none of the plants are in the right soil for them, or very few are. It's been accidental. Or it's just toxic. Where are some of the places that, that you start? You know, it's my thought that, you know what, everything rises and falls on the leadership. And if this is uh, something that's not being sponsored for and adopted by the leadership, it's going to be, I can't say, I'm not going to say it can't be done, but it's going to make it a lot more challenging, isn't it? Absolutely. So you take a company, mm-hmm. companies that have, is a culture, but inside companies, there's subcultures. So every organization is made up of hundreds of subcultures, and the subculture leader is responsible for that subculture. So if culture equals a greenhouse or atmosphere, then you have all these greenhouses inside companies. Mm. So what has to happen then is to go, you have to actually give people common objective language. And uh, subjective language is basically this, hey, John, uh, man, you've got broccoli in your teeth. And you go, oh, yeah, well, you've got broccoli in your teeth, too. You know? And so as soon as I call you out, you're going to call me out because now it's pride and insecurity and all those things. So what we've done is we've actually created metaphor and we've created common language and visual tools that people can actually start looking at as a mirror. And usually it starts like this. You know, John, look what happened with me. You know, my tendency sometimes is to get defensive. And that leads to this action, which causes this consequence and shapes this reaction. So if I start first showing people where my broccoli and my teeth are, and then I hold up a mirror, people are going to be more apt to go, oh, yeah, I have broccoli in my teeth too, right? So what we're doing is we're trying to give people the common language to not make it subjective judgment. But now, because change only happens when people look in a mirror and see their broccoli in their own teeth and want to get it out themselves. So that's part of what we've done. But then we created this construct of Mount Everest and, and the 100-act system to explain it even deeper. And here's a question for you. What is that transition that happens? So somebody looks in the mirror and goes, you know what? First of all, I want to see if I have broccoli, right, or whatever it is. And then I want to remove the broccoli, become better, so that I can hold that mirror up. What, what starts that process for people? 
Because that is a, you know, a journey of personal change. That's right. And, and it usually happens from their leader, someone doing it to them. Or they have a transformational moment. A lot of times people are using our content in their family dynamic. And then they go, oh, my goodness, look at the transformation that happened at home. I bet you this will work at work. And then they do it at work and like, oh, my gosh, people love this. And so you're giving the opportunity for self-awareness. Because self-awareness gives now you the opportunity to look in the mirror and to adjust. And if you make the adjustment, your influence goes up. And people go, okay, well, you're doing it on yourself. Therefore, I'll listen to you. But when you're telling me to do something and you're not doing it, that's hypocrisy. And that's where most of the leadership landscape is right now. It's a hypocritical. Yeah, so using your kind of your Everest and Sherpa example, right? And this is how you guys start out your book. You have to make that choice to start climbing, don't you? Yep. Yeah. So every person has a mountain. Yeah. So if we're going to climb Mount Everest, we have to be in shape to climb Mount Everest. And we have to go to Camp 1, to Camp 2, to Camp 3, to 4, then the summit. And we have to be acclimated and we have to perform really well. But there's a big difference in leadership is too much jargon as well. There's individual performance, which is you climbing the mountain. Good job, John. You made it to the top and you didn't die. And you made it down and you didn't die. That's performance. But there's a very different thing. On the mountain, most of those who are climbing, they couldn't climb alone. They had to have a Sherpa. You can't climb Mount Everest without a Sherpa. And the Sherpa are so acclimated to the mountain, they can perform but they can also help other people perform while they're performing. And that was the aha. I started interviewing climbers mm. on this book, and I started meeting with Sherpas. Every climber I talked to didn't want to climb, talk about Mount Everest. They were talking about their Sherpa and how much their Sherpa helped them. Then I talked to the Sherpa, and I asked them a dumb question. I said, okay, guys, how many times have you summited? And they kind of laughed and chuckled to each other. They had three of them, like, and they go, we don't think that way. That's a very Western thinking. And I go, okay, what do you mean? They go, we don't think about how many times we've summited. We think about how many times we've helped other people summit. So one guy goes, I've helped 11 people summit last year, which means that he summited because he had to put the rope ahead of the guy. So the Sherpa is someone who is acclimated enough to go ahead of everyone else and lay the rope and the ladders and support people, get them ready. Then they come behind them and they challenge. And that's the secret to amazing leaders, high support and high challenge. But you have to lay the rope first. You have to bring support first. And that's usually what's missing in most leadership. Okay, so if I'm thinking about this, right, and creating, a, and I'm a huge fan of actually creating that kind of that common language around leadership. There's just, oh my God, there's just some... I actually Googled it the other day. I think there's uh, just last year, there was over 30,000 titles that referenced leadership that were put into the Amazon book system. I mean, it's a mess. So having a common language. So in that spirit, like what does it look like when you're talking about ropes and ladders and helping others to summit? What does that look like when you're talking about making a Sherpa in the business context to create that expert who's in now in that greenhouse and now, you know, making some changes. Yeah. So I'm. So let's say we're. Le I'm leading someone, right? So yeah. let's say John, you're on my team. Yeah. I'm going to be a Sherpa for you. I first have to have the Sherpa mindset. It's not about me getting to the top. 
It's about me getting to the top and helping you get to the top. Meaning it's about you getting to the top and I'm helping you do it, right? So it's a shift in mindset. Well, then what's going to have to happen is I'm going to first go, do you know that I'm for you? Like a Sherpa fights for the highest possible good of those they lead. A 100x leader means that I'm 100% healthy, I'm acclimated, and I'm going to multiply my skills into you to help you get to the next level. So I'm going to then define what level we're trying to get to. Are you trying to get to this level as a role or a specific skill set or whatever it is that I need to do to help you get to the next level? I'm going to then ask, do you need more support right now or do you need more challenge right now? Some people bring too much support and not enough challenge. They don't share expectations very well. Some leaders have so much challenge, they don't bring enough support or enough expectation. So they just yell at their people going, get up to camp too. Go. It's right there. Go. And yeah, they finish the objective. How come you, you know, I said, get the project plan done. I expected you could, you know, get this done. How come you didn't execute? So I'm actually getting angry, but I haven't equipped them or given them the support that they need to actually do that job well, because I'm happy to throw people into the deep end of the pool. And guess what? Some people really don't know how to swim. Yeah. And so then they all put that on hiring. Oh, we need to hire more A players. Uh, Actually, there's not very many A players. You have to develop A players. Mm -hmm. So supporting goes first, then challenge. So if I know what do you need, more support or more challenge, what's undermining your influence Where are you not doing what I'm expecting you to do? And do I have the guts to tell you that and show you that and help you get to that next level? So that happens all of the time is unclear expectations. So a 100x leader, a Sherpa, liberates people by doing this. Hey, John, look, man, you're on my team. Here's where I want you to go. Here's where I believe. Are you on the same page? Do you think you want to get there? Are we trying to get to the same place? Awesome. Now, here's my expectations of you. Do you feel these are fair? Do you feel like they're realistic, unrealistic, impossible? Now, I'm going to give you what do you need to get there. I think you need this. Do you need any more? All right, let's get after it. Now, just so you know, I'm fighting for you. I'm going to push you to get there. We're going to get there together. But like having this kind of language now and a metaphor that you're the Sherpa, you're responsible to help them get the next level. They want to get the next level, but there could be a certain point in time where they can't go any higher or they'll die. They Camp three is as high as they're going to get, and if that's where you wanted them to be, great. They've made it. That's their summit. So sometimes people push people way past what their skill sets are. But the ultimate goal, though, of a Sherpa is to train you to train others to train others. So it's the multiplication aspect that doesn't happen. Most leaders we found are 60% healthy and they're negative. They're jaded and they kind of take, every time you're around people, it's like they just sap the life out of you. Right. Some le- most of the leaders are 75 plus, generally healthy, and they'll add value to you. Hey, my door's always open, John. If you ever need help, come see me. But they're not proactive like a Sherpa is. You know, and I want people out there listening to really notice Jeremy's language because if I'm coming to you about whatever it is, whether it's the challenge or the support, you didn't say 
this is what I heard was, it's not like, hey, John, you need to do this, this, and this. You actually said, John, what do you need? And because that's really coming from a place of curiosity for Jeremy to really understand me, maybe how I've assimilated certain knowledge or experience or skills that I have, someplace that it seems to me like you're constantly asking questions to assess, is my plant in the right place in the greenhouse? Right. And what do I do that's specific? Like, I think John needs a little bit more water. He needs a little bit more training in this area. John's really good technically, but he is really struggling with some of the dynamics with his peers or across of a team. So, you know what? I need to focus on my support with John and actually developing some better emotional intelligence, some some awareness of maybe some of my blind spots. And then, you know, leadership isn't always being, I would say, nice, but it's always being kind because if I have a blind spot that's limiting me, there's not a lot of people that, that would maybe share that in a way with me. Like, John, I think this is really limiting you in your career, your happiness. How is this affecting you at home, you know, as a husband, as a father? Hey, let's work on Let's use our time to work on that because that could be the one key piece. So that's kind of what I'm hearing in your language. It's really coming from a, a coaching perspective, being instead of being prescriptive and sometimes I believe when there's just a gap in knowledge, we need to bring that knowledge into the conversation. But then if we can bring it back into, you know, to really challenge somebody to how they're going to apply that and use that through back into asking questions. So that's what I heard in just the language that we're using. Is that pretty close? That's right. Yeah. And we've created something called Sherpa Training Mm -hmm. because progress is a process. And you have to almost add a tool every time. So we've created tools like um, rope, ladders, all the tools that a Sherpa pickaxe that a Sherpa is going to need to climb a mountain. So we've created these and you give them out, not in a seminar for one day or one book only, even though you know books are good, but a lot of people aren't reading as much anymore. So we've actually created a process. Each week, you add another tool, you add another piece you add another thing, and you begin over time to develop this skill. Because the first part is you turning your brain over to, it's not just me getting to the top of the mountain. It's me helping other people get to the top of the mountain, but I have to be acclimated. You don't want an asthmatic Sherpa, right? <laughs> you want a Sherpa who is, you want the healthiest Sherpa. So if you're a leader worth following, then that means you're a healthy Sherpa. It means you've already gone somewhere and you're helping other people get there too. And that is a journey where you have to learn these tools. Support challenge is one of our visual tools we use. And so we've got about 50 tools that we equip people with. So my philosophy through leadership, and it's because this has been modeled to me and and told to me by some amazing mentors is that you know, a rising tide lifts all boats, right? And that if I build my success on helping everybody around me succeed, right? Then I'm going to accomplish more than I ever even dreamed of. And I've seen that in every company that I've built and started and been a part of. And it was interesting. I was actually speaking recently. It was a group of seniors in the business school here at a college in Denver. And I shared this as a, a philosophy, as a principle, And some of the questions in the Q&A afterwards were, well, if I help, let's say I help Jeremy succeed, who works for me, what if he outshines me? Am I limiting myself, my opportunity, by really helping other people succeed? 
you know, you talked about on a scale of one to 10, right? Like if I see myself as a, a six or a seven and I'm working on myself to get to an eight or a nine, what I see a lot of times is I'm a lot of the hiring, right? When you were talking about hiring before, it takes some emotional intelligence or some maturity, I think, some <laughs> for me to, hey, you know what? If I'm a seven, I would love to hire eights, nines, and tens versus hiring yep. four, fives, and sixes who don't intimidate me. So let me just ask you a question because you're really talking about, I think, to develop people into a Sherpa. There has to be, I'm guessing you've seen a lot of people that you've had to walk through a, a shift in mindset and approach. Could you talk about that? Yeah, so I, this is fascinating. I've never said what I'm about to share, but you provoked this in me. I've been interviewing climbers on Mount Everest, mm. and I've been interviewing them pre and post, like a few people who are going to, and then a lot of people who have already climbed. And when they before they climb, they're like, yeah, I've climbed this and this and this, and Everest is my next one, and it's my bucket list, and once I've done that. Then I talked to a guy afterwards and all he could talk about, like I said, was the Sherpa. He changed his mindset. He wasn't thinking performance anymore. So what you just said about someone who's afraid to help others is simply because they have a performance mindset, not a Sherpa mindset. Mm-hmm. They're going, okay, I'm performing, and i got to take a few people up, but man, what if they outshine me? Well, I started interviewing these Sherpas, and you know their view of the mountain? The mountain to them is a god. It's their mother. God, basically, their view of the mountain is reverence. Their view is they are helping each other stay safe and all their climbers stay safe. They have a different mindset altogether about climbing Mount Everest. Now, take that into a Sherpa. A Sherpa is someone who, a 100x leader is someone who's really healthy and they've gotten so good at multiplying that uh, it's not them doing it and afraid of losing their job, they become invaluable to the organization because they produce the best employees. So who wants to fire the person who produces the best employees? No one. If you did, you're an idiot. You know what I mean? You want to have the best leader who can train the best leaders inside organizations. That's a good point because think about it. The people that are most, let's say, technically skilled and Boy, I can pick anything from HVAC to computer programming. But the thing that is missing in most organizations is the people that can actually develop teams that work together well, that develop talent, that that create a culture where we're thriving and we're reducing conflict and we have meaningful conversations and we can actually have disagreement in a way that actually creates innovation and productivity. That kind of person who's a Sherpa if somebody works on those skills, even though they might not be you know, the technical expert in some of these areas that they came out of, that is probably one of the most valuable skill sets that business, especially with our employment landscape now, man, you could make yourself one of the most sought after folks in your industry if you focus on exactly what Jeremy Sharon, wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. So. Performance is important because you have to be able to do something, right? You've yeah. got to do that. But a lot of times people take performers and then they force them to lead people and they don't have their Sherpa mindset. They don't know how. Well, you can grow your skill in performing, but you can also grow your Sherpa skills, but it takes a mind shift to go, okay, so let, for instance, we all got to the top of the mountain, Mount Everest, you all made it 
down to the bottom, everyone listening, you're all at base camp. Good job. You didn't die. If I said three days from now, I'm going to let you rest, but in three days, I'm going to give you each three people to take up the mountain. It's a totally different skill set to take three whiny people up the mountain who can't zip their (laughs) code. It's called. So all of a sudden, you have to think differently. You have to be trained differently. And therefore, a lot of people don't want to do that. They just want to go perform. Okay, great. Let them perform. You need performers. But I do need Sherpas. You know what? You just said something, though, that let me throw this out to you, because you talked about before, you know, being in agreement about, you know, what success looks like or, you know, you know, clear expectations. Right. If my expectation from my leader or my understanding of it is performance, it's going to be hard for me to make that transition. But if you make it very clear to me that how you're looking at me is actually my ability to do some of these things that would say I'm succeeding in that role as a Sherpa. Now that actually frees me up to actually really start growing through, you know, growing, understanding myself, how I'm working with people, other work in these areas because you just allowed me to actually kind of take my focus off of the one part of the job that we tend to focus on that's actually not the, in this context, the most important thing. Is that fair? Yep. That's right, yeah. And everyone, though, that I talk to the climb, every strong performer would tell me the Sherpas could outperform them two to one. I would bet. I bet, those, I bet these guys, if they went up, from the very bottom, the first base camp to the top, just as a, their own group could just crush any summiting time if you ever yeah. wanted them, right? But that's not their goal. They're they don't ac- care about that's it. That's not their goal. because yeah. But they're acclimated because they have a different mission. And so it that's that mindset. And so the beauty of the 100X leader, that, there's just not enough of them. Mm-hmm. There's very few leaders that are that acclimated and have mm-hmm. learned how to multiply themselves. We need more of them. That's the reality. But the 100X leader is someone who is secure and confident and humble. And every Sherpa I've met, I'm just honored these guys. They're unbelievably secure, very confident, and very, very humble. So those words go together. And uh, I just think, man, if we could just work on a different construct for leadership. Leadership is not about performance. You have to perform, yeah. But I, most of those books you talked about kind of have awakened the person within, the leader within, all this stuff. You're this great person. Go climb the mountain. Get to the top. Like, no, leadership is the Sherpa. They're the real hero on the mountain. No, I couldn't agree more. I'm actually writing a book right now that's going to come out soon. And I believe personally that the entire leadership industry is broken. That's why we spend so much money on it. And let me ask everybody out there listening right now, do you guys think we see a leadership crisis right now in the world? Absolutely. I think it'd be unanimous that we got a problem because we all focus on, you know, all these hacks and tactics and the why and the what and the how. What we do not focus on is who we are. And that's exactly what you're talking about is I need to shift my mindset. I need to develop these skills as a Sherpa. I have to go in and actually transform my mindset. And, you know, like what we've done is, right, like, if I help every single person around me succeed at their highest possible level, at their biggest contribution, if I can actually learn to see in somebody else what they don't see in themselves yet, 
and help them to actually bring that out, to help them see what somebody else might see. Believe in somebody else until they just start believing themselves a little bit more. And we're the person that's the catalyst to bring that out to the surface. We can create extraordinary families, ministries, businesses that are purpose-driven that can absolutely change the landscape. And when we do that too, uh, you know, part of, I think, a healthy culture, greenhouse culture is also, you know, weaving philanthropy into that. How do we take what we're doing and sow back into kingdom causes? Or, you know, if you have a whole mix of people, what are causes that are, you know, our teams are aligned with? But anyway, let me ask you a question. Just let's just, as we kind of wrap up here, if I look at a before and after, let's say somebody, let's say I'm a leader of an organization, Jeremy, and I'm like, wow, this sounds awesome. This looks like, a, you know, definitely I have to put some work in. The clients that you've worked with, if I'm looking at the before and after, you just talked about interviewing climbers before and after. What would you say uh, for business leaders that you've talked to before and after developing a kind of a greenhouse, a healthy greenhouse culture? What's the before and after look like? Yeah, so we have the 100x system. We've been doing this for years. When people adopt the language, here's what happens immediately. Yeah, self-awareness happens, but they'll tell us first, oh my goodness, my wife is talking to me again. Or my son and I, I finally got him. I figured it out. And then they start going, wow, what's it like to be on the other side of me? So self-awareness, you never graduate from the school of self-awareness, by the way. But it starts to increase. And when their self-awareness increases, those employees become the best employees in the organization. The drama goes away. Some turnover issues dissipate. And they stop the blame culture. Well, if they would just, and they don't do this, and they start taking responsibility for themselves. And then you start seeing transformation take place. So we've seen team after team who now become they get more focused on communication and relationship, whereas before they were just trying to get everyone on the same page and just execute. They start working on relational trust, and when relational trust is established in a team, in that greenhouse, people start thriving. And so that's what we've seen. We've seen relational trust increase, and we've seen influence increase in individual subculture leaders. Man, that's awesome. All right, so... The book, The 100X Leader, How to Become Someone Worth Following, is on Amazon. But where else do they go to get in touch with you, find more about Giant and the different things you guys are doing right now? Yeah, really easy. It's giant.tv. That's one. Or giantworldwide.com. Either one of those um, are places if people go, how do I do this? We just created a system that any coach can implement and use in their world. Any company can implement We've made it like a Netflix and Peloton where it's so inexpensive. It's $4.99 a month, and people can add this into their world, and then they start using common language with their employees. So that's as easy as it gets. Man, that's a great way to do it, too, because we got busy teams. And, and a great way is, you know, you could even, as a team, talking about any one of these concepts, you can go probably watch one of those, have the team watch it, and then when you have a team meeting, get together and, you know, discuss it for five or 10 minutes. That's it. And that is such a powerful way to, to get people to start kind of getting to know each other, share some feedback, maybe in a really safe place, start to actually change some of those dynamics 
because you need the tools, but you also need to kind of format to create those conversations. And I found that that to be super effective. So just as we wrap up, Jeremy, just any kind of like a last thought you'd like to leave with everybody who's listening to this conversation? You can't give what you don't possess. So you have to take on certain things. So the encouragement to people is just uh, getting to the point where you become the healthiest person in the room. What's it going to take for you to move from 75 to 100%? And then what's it going to take to move from a plus person to a multiplier? And that's really what the 100X Leader book helps people do. But John, thanks for the time, man. So good to be with you. Yeah, you too, Jeremy. Thanks, buddy. That was awesome. All right, you guys. Take care.